This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. 2023 was an eventful year in the film and TV industry, even with the writers and actors strike. A lot of content made its debut on the big screen or on streaming platforms. Some worked, some didn't, (laughs) and some flew under the radar. And that's where the beauty of having three different entertainment critics on the show comes into place. Michael McNeely is one of them. He joined me in studio yesterday to learn his thoughts on the best content of the year. All right, saying good morning and hello to Michael McNeely. Michael, hello. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> All right, Michael, best of the year. Let's start with feature films. What blew you away this year and why? Well, I picked Western, which is on Netflix for my number one pick of this year. And the reason I did that is because of Coleman Domingo's performance, another Euphoria alum. That show is actually making a lot of great stars. And Coleman plays Bayard Weston, who was one of the key players in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. But because of his openly gay lifestyle, he was more or less shadowed and closeted because he just didn't fit the image of what others wanted the civil rights movement to be. Mm. Um, What's interesting about this film is the friendship that Bayard has with Martin Luther King, and we can see that Martin Luther King was not necessarily a perfect human being. He was wonderful. He was great. He did amazing things, but he was still a human being. And so he had some insecurities around uh, Bayard's homosexuality, and Bayard has to sort of keep his stiff upper lip and not let others bring him down. Because, as you know, when you're starting a social movement or when you're running a grassroots organization, there could be lots of backbiting as people vie for leadership positions or try and take on different responsibilities. And Bayard was often the victim of blackmail and backbiting and all those things. As you can imagine, being openly gay in the 1960s, especially as a black man, um, he faced so many challenges. And again, I just want to say that Coleman Domingo just, he just becomes a different person altogether. He becomes that living reincarnation of Bayard, and I don't think you can ask for anything more in an actor. Okay, so Rustin on Netflix as uh, your pick for uh, feature film of the year. Uh, You are not the only entertainment critic on the show. Kim Thistle chimes in from time to time. Her favorite movie this year was Far Away, an international film on Netflix with subtitles. It follows the story of a middle-aged woman who inherits a home in Croatia. Kim describes it as... The main character is coming into herself after being everything for everyone else, a daughter, a wife, 
and Mother. So that's Kim Thistle's pick, Far Away. My pick, Michael, is a film that you can find on Amazon Prime. It's called Air. It's all about Nike deciding and going through the process of signing Michael Jordan to a shoe contract. It stars Matt Damon. It stars Jason Bateman. It stars Viola Davis. Again, heavy hitters in the industry, big-time established stars. It was a movie that was well-paced, incredibly directed, a fantastic aesthetic that was consistent throughout, and most importantly, it was a film that had heart. I walked out of that movie feeling like I connected to the characters. So for me, my favorite feature film of the year was Air. It also made my top 25, so I'll give you that. I think, I think um, I just missed Michael Jordan. I just wanted to say more Michael Jordan. But I understand why he wasn't there. I understand it's more about his mother. But yeah, it's a, it's a story about a mom's love for her kid and the fact that her mom would not let anything screw with her kid's life. It was also a story about breaking the mold, right? Business people who think outside of the box, and Michael Jordan and his mother, who also are thinking outside of the box, out of the shoebox, if you will. I just thought it was really well done. It was really brilliant. And frankly, it's a pretty easy watch, right? It's it's under it's under two hours. It moves along at a nice snappy pace. It's well acted. You get cameos here and there. I, I, I just think when you're looking for a couple of good hours of taking in a film, it's not super challenging, but it is very interesting. I think you're touching on an important theme is that movies are getting longer and longer these days, and especially when you talk about the number of trailers they show at Cineplex. It's, I think you probably watched a half hour of trailers before, or advertisements before the movie starts. You're talking about a very uncomfortable watch if you don't watch and miss anything. So again, I say the golden, golden number of minutes is 90. Two hours can be forgivable, but three hours, I'm starting to ask questions about my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you as well. Okay, Michael, let's uh, switch over to uh, documentaries. What story was the most captivating for you? Well, I cheated in this one, and I picked two documentaries, partly because they both go to the same thing. First is, and is anybody out there? Is there anybody out there? I think that's how it goes. Um, I think you can see pictures of it. So this is Ella Glendinning, who is the director, and she also has a body difference that I won't necessarily label because it might also be unlabelable. Um, she's trying to find others like her, others with the same body as her, so that they can both relate to the same experiences. And ultimately, I found it very empowering because as a deafblind person myself, it can be hard to find other deafblind people in similar positions with similar interests. Um, but the message of the movie is that everybody has their own battles to fight, and we can still relate to other people's battles, even if we're not 100 percent the same. Um, and I paired that with still the Michael J. Fox movie, which we've talked about. Um, mm. And I just think Michael J. Fox, not only because he has the same first name I do, is just a hero. Um, it talks about his his efforts to try and hide his Parkinson's during um, Spin City and Back to the Future 3, 
where he would be shaking and he would try and make that part of the acting of the scene. And it talks about his his difficulties. And in all fairness, I probably need to read his biography. Um, because he just puts his heart and soul into the into the movie, and I think he and Ella would be friends. So that's why those two are together. Yeah, one of the great privileges of my career was getting a chance to speak to Michael J. Fox a couple of years ago, just before he released his biography, and he talked about the journey of honesty about disability, coming to terms with him, not just coming to terms with his own disability in his own experience, but how to express that to other people. Michael J. Fox is someone who's given it a lot of thought, and it showed in this documentary, and it showed in the book as well. Yeah, Michael, jo Michael J. Fox has become just a very, very interesting story and become a very interesting avatar for broader conversations about disability in the mainstream. Yeah, so those two movies, I think you have a very filled day of thoughts and uh, meditations on what it means to have a disability. Mm. Speaking of other entertainment critics on the show, Amy Amanti really loved the documentary Poisoned, the Dirty Truth About Your Food. Let's hear what Amy had to say. A couple of the highlights for me were the documentary Poisoned. Uh, Poisoned was a documentary about uh, the food growth, both meat and veg, in the United States, how we uh, grow and um, cultivate vegetables, um, how we farm our meat, and uh, the process that it goes through before and once it lands in our grocery stores. Um, and while this is a U.S.-based documentary, uh, a lot of our food in Canada is imported from the United States, and some of our uh, systems are set up legislatively quite similar. Uh, so anytime I have an opportunity to learn about these systems, I think that that's a benefit, and so I thought it would be really intriguing. So that was Amy's pick. Kim Thistle identified a documentary that you also really enjoyed, and that was Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make Believe on Prime Video. Here was Kim's quote that she mailed in. The Mr. Dress Up show was ahead of its time in inclusion, social consciousness, and feminism. The documentary highlighted the impact he had on others and gave the simple message of be kind. Michael, you liked this documentary as well. Yes. Pop quiz time. Who was his best friend? I don't know. I didn't watch Mr. Dress Up. Oh, come on. His best friend was Mr. Watchers. It's pretty obvious. Oh, you mean in real life? <laughs> yes. No, I mean, they, they both started in Canada. And then Mr. Watchers ended up over going over to Pittsburgh, where he made history. And they both kept in touch over the years. So I think it's, it's, it's amazing. It's interesting, though, that Mr. Dressup talks about Mr. Waters, but I, th I don't think the Mr. Waters documentary talked about Mr. Dressup, but this is an oversight now that we can realize, because both of them worked together in children's programming, and both of them left a lasting legacy of being kind to your neighbors. And, you know, my parents grew up on Mr. Dressup, and I unfortunately did not, but I still got the spirit from Mr. Waters. There's a good segue here from a documentary about a TV show to the favorite shows of 2023. So over in the world of television and streaming, Amy Amanti really enjoyed Painkiller, starring Uzo Abuda and Matthew Broderick. Let's hear what Amy thinks. The other thing that I really enjoyed watching was a, a six-episode series called 
Painkiller. Um, and this one was uh, showcasing the marketing behind the family that made the opioid crisis an epidemic in the United States, the rise of the opioid crisis. Um, this was quite fascinating and quite tragic to watch at the same time. And so, um, you know, if you're sitting at home and asking yourself when you watch the news and you hear the statistics of how many people are dying uh, from opioid overdoses, both in Canada and the United States, how did this happen? This is an interesting one to check out. And yes, it is dramatized. It's not a documentary. It is based on true stories, and they do have uh, real stories captured at the beginning of every episode. So they put a real human face on this. So that's Amy's pick, Painkiller. Michael, what's your pick for a series or a season that completely nailed it in the TV and streaming world? I say that if you're ever feeling sad because of Amy's pick, you can watch um, Abbott Elementary. And we are talking about the second season, but you should start with the first season, obviously. Um, this is probably just the most happy, cheerful, cheerful, heartfelt show that I have ever seen. And it's the story of teachers that work hard every day to ensure that their children, their students, are able to leave the school smiling and happy. I don't think there's a better message than that. Um, the ensemble cast is amazing. That goes from Quinta Brunson to Cheryl Lee Ralph, and they all play different kinds of teachers. I was also happy to see an openly gay teacher, because when I was growing up, there was always a controversy about being gay and working for the Catholic school board, probably still is. Um, but all those teachers just make comedy magic together, and then there's the principal, who just doesn't care about anything except herself, and she's just so funny. Um, and so I have to end with a story of how the show helped me. I had two sleep clinics, and I was going to be fitted with a CPAP machine. I was pretty down in the dumps about it. But then I saw Cheryl Lee Ralph as Barbara, the religious stuffy teacher where I see Pap Machine when she went on a field trip with the students in one of the shows. And what was funny is, what was so genius about it was that the principal actually set this chunk up, a long-winded chunk in the episode, <laughs> that, oh, there's an alien around here. And she was scaring the children. But you discover that it's Barbara wearing her CPAP. <laughs> and then she tits off her CPAP and says, I'm not an alien, I'm just using this to sleep. <laughs> but to see Cheryl, Cheryl Lee Ralph, who is probably the most amazing uh, actress, performer, anyone you can imagine, and in great shape um, wearing the CPAP machine, let me know that there was nothing to worry about on my end. I like that, I like that. So my pick for a series or season that really stood out this year is also in the world of comedy, although not quite the feel-good comedy that you seem to have in mind. Mine falls a little bit more into the awkward or cringe category. Ah. It's I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. I don't know if you've uh, watched it at all. It stars Tim Robinson, or Tim Robinson is the driving force behind it who is just the most bizarro, weirdo comedian in the world. There's no continuity to the show, it's just a series of sketches, but it really 
gets uh. at the oddity and weirdness of human interaction. And there's something about that that really works for me. I'd say it's almost like a modern take on Seinfeld, just, just through sketch comedy. And I have to apologize for screaming randomly, but that is exactly what Tim Robinson would do. And I, I just... You know what I mean? I just, I can only watch Tim Robinson for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. at a time. Yeah, it's not bingeable. It's the kind of show where you're going to watch one episode, you're going to walk away, and then you're going to come back the next day or the day after. And the beauty is the episodes are only about 12 to oh, 15 yes. minutes long, so it is digestible, that's for sure. No, yeah, I think, I think you can watch them, and you can learn about social interactions, and you can learn about the realness of social interactions, and... I remember mean, the sensitivity training one that was ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yeah, definitely uh, worth worth checking out if you want to do a little bit of cringing and uh, if people screaming uh, makes you laugh because every now and then people losing their temper can be uh, funny. Okay, let's end on a, a sincere note here. A show that got a lot of buzz at the tail end of the year was the limited network series All the Light We Cannot See on Netflix. The show is being labeled as a big game changer for the film and TV industry. Amy and Mancy had a lot of praise for the show. Let's hear Amy's thoughts. Now, while I would say that this, from a storytelling perspective, may not have been sort of the greatest example of storytelling, there were a lot of really great things about this film in terms of uh, perhaps changing the way Hollywood looks at disability representation in film, television, on screen, right? Um, authentic casting of lead characters, that's a big plus. Uh, the hiring of uh, blind consultants to be a part of the process every step of the way. Taking a real close examination of what cane use uh, and the reading of Braille, um, the style of canes and how folks used them uh, in the 1940s, because this movie is set in the 1940s, what that looked like authentically um, was a real plus. Uh, the use of audio description and how they broke some of the rules, um, and this is big for the Americans, folks, so we are already doing this work in Canada, but it's big for the Americans um, to break some of the traditional framework of audio description um, to provide more... Michael, I want to give last word to you. What are some of your takeaways from the buzz and conversation around all the light we cannot see? Well, to be honest, I haven't seen all the light we cannot see because I wanted to defer to our colleague here. Mm -hmm. um, but I did teach the book, and uh, I think the story is important. And also, that's why we also did cover some World War One and World War Two stories mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. that as well. It is important to realize that there are people with disabilities throughout history that have fought to be recognized and they have tried to live their lives as simply and as effectively as possible given the undue circumstances that they were faced with. And while it may seem like the main character of all the night, you cannot see is privileged. They find themselves in a situation where they have to fight to survive. And Representation, again, matters, because we, 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 we as a community are happy to see that there's a person with a disability playing the main character of all the light we cannot see. And it's just a matter of asking, why not earlier? Why, why now? Why, why, why have my head to wait for so long just to be seen?
Michael, that's a great thought to leave off an incredible year of conversation. Thank you for all the work that you do. All the best to you and the family and friends and loved ones over the holidays. Talk to you in 2024. Thank you, and be safe, everyone. Make sure you have snow tires on your way to the cinema. That's my conversation with entertainment critic Michael McNeely on some of the best content of the year in entertainment. You can find his full best of list online at letterboxd.com slash McNeely Mike. So, BoxD is spelled B-O-X-D, and McNeely is spelled M-C. N-E-E-L-Y. And of course, a big thank you to Amy Amanti and Kim Thistle for also chiming in to be a part of that uh, report. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.